From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been, I believe, just watching recently. I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth. Sorry. It's, it's always that half second before the door I see the cat through the door through the door that I'm not sure if it's a ghost or not. Um, but I am Mary Beth, and my cat Misu just joined us. Uh, and this week we are chatting about a coming-of-rage gothic horror story, the latest from David Fincher, the most divisive movie of the a bizarre true crime series, the Fright Night remake director's new film, and which is in the woods. Get ready, y'all. I think Terry and I are going to fight this episode. There's like <laughs> at least two instances where we might fight. So get ready. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dukes are up. Like one of the first things Terry says to me when I log on is like, how divisive do you want this episode to be? I'm like, oh, oh, really? So get ready. Get ready. Get We're here. ready. We're, We're here. But I would love to hear about a coming of rage gothic horror story because I love those. So uh, tell me more. Yeah. So this is uh, Raging Grace. Oh, yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. From uh, Paris um, Zarcia, I believe. Zarcilla. I'm not 100% sure how yeah. to pronounce the last name. Um, but it is a... It's a story about an undocumented Filipina immigrant who um, is basically doing uh, like housekeeping maid type work um, for a bunch of rich white people. uh, And she doesn't really have like a home. And so when they're gone, she uh, figures out who is out of town and she and her daughter, uh, Grace, end up staying at their homes. And she is struggling to find money to get um, a visa made for her so that she and uh, her daughter can stay. Her fa- the, the daughter's father's not in the picture. You start to realize that maybe he's not the best person. She kind of gets the deal of a lifetime, it seems, up front, where this uh, woman named Catherine hires her to basically housekeep over this big, giant, gothic manor 
where her where Catherine's uncle is dying of cancer and is bedridden and is unconscious and is on oxygen and Catherine is feeding her a bunch of pills feeding him sorry a bunch of pills and wants joy to caretake of the house and does not know that grace is there grace is hiding and there's a lot of tension in the beginning about like um trying to keep her child hidden from Catherine while also you know taking care of the house and then there's like a mystery that starts to unfold about the the man who's dying in bed and it sort of goes from there I don't want to spoil it there's a lot of twists and turns I was really um taken aback by some of the things that uh happen in this film and the last shot of the film actually brought tears to my eyes because it just was such an emotional emotional moment for me. But uh, this is a, a really good gothic horror story. I believe it's coming out uh, as of the, this recording in theaters and it's going to be hitting VOD. Uh, and I really I really recommend it. Did you you liked it? I <clears throat> I did for the most part. I, I didn't really understand why it was called raging grace not because like i'm it feels like it was a cool name but like it doesn't fit the movie i don't think it's as much about the daughter like the title makes you think it's about the daughter it's really about the mom Mm. and i don't there's some stuff i think that i think that i liked i basically it's a story that we need from the perspective of like these family like these like a mom a single mom who is an undocumented worker in britain and and, like i think it's a really important story i think like it's not it doesn't all come together as well for me but i think there's some really good ideas in it i think there is some really scary stuff in it like the ending i wanted more of how like the ending is but still it's 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 worth seeking out especially because like it's a kind of film that we don't have in the genre and I think it's really smart. I I I would like to see him do more work. Uh Paris Sarcia, I think he's a really good director. I think like just the script is not as strong as it could be, but that it's not necessarily It does meander yeah. in spots. Yeah. I just think it loses focus a little. But again, it doesn't it's not it's just, it should not deter you from seeing it. I think I saw it at South by Southwest. And like I said, I cried at the last at the last image of the the film. It like yeah. really, it, it, really it, it goes to some really it. it has conversations that we don't have like people don't have, and that's really important and really awesome to see in the horror genre, especially with some really good fucking scares in it too. Like it's not like it's scary. I think there's got some good scare. Like it's a good ghost story, <clears throat> or mm-hmm. not really ghost. Whatever. It's it's not a spoiler. Because it's not really a ghost story, but yeah. It's a fun gothic story. Yeah. A new twist on familiar things, I would say. Yes, very much so. It's it's people of color in a gothic story. You never see people of color in a gothic story. Kind of in the same vein of a new twist on, on a familiar thing, potentially. I want to hear about the latest from David Fincher. Yeah, so I'm on my catching up with films for your consideration. I think you are as well. Oh. In the FYC critics circle stuff, like in that grind of trying to just like catch all the things. And because we're so focused in horror, I have not seen a lot of things that are like not outside of horror. So I've been trying to watch some of the stuff that's come out. Um, I'm getting a million different screeners right now. So I'm like, okay, I can watch this. So I watched The Killer, which is on on Netflix now, but it's the latest from David Fincher. And... I was kind of bummed. I'm. I. This is a movie I will talk 
I will give a bad review on because it's David Fincher, and I think David Fincher can handle uh, a mid- a middling review from me. I think Netflix can handle a middling review. Because uh, I really like David Fincher. Like, I, I like a lot of his work. I love Seven. I love Gone Girl. I love Zodiac. Um, so I was excited. Uh, Michael Fassbender is kind of a shitty person. Um, just we're going to lay that one out there just so we don't forget that he is kind of a uh, abuser. And by kind of, I mean, he is. But he is the best part about this movie, which is like a bummer. He's a good, like, look, he's a really, we know he's a talented actor and he brings, and, and the killer follows a guy who is a paid, a paid, a paid gun, a hired gun. He fucks up a job. And after he fucks up the job, uh, the subcontractors, um, it's like the people, the guy who paid him to kill the guy who killed the fuck up. Hold on. Sorry. It's like. <laughs> I sound like an idiot trying to explain this because it's, it's like, it doesn't, it, there's so many weird layers. Like there was layers of this movie. It's like who fucking paid who to kill who basically the big rich man, the big rich man who didn't get his way with the first killer hired two more killers to fuck with his girlfriend or fuck with him. But they ended up messing with his girlfriend who is a uh, Hispanic woman uh, because he takes refuge in the Dominican Republic, and because he wasn't home, they uh, assaulted and raped his Dominican girlfriend, and then he decides to go on a revenge. Uh, like, oh. and like, it's just, it's like kind of boring in a way that I find offensive, and I know that sounds like dramatic, but I'm like, okay, that's all. <sighs> I just expect. Something more from David Fincher. And this was just, like, John Wick, but way less entertaining and way less, like, stylized. It it feels like he was trying to do something different with the kind of hired hand revenge movie. And the first 20 minutes are fucking incredible. The first 20 minutes are, like, a rear window type vibe where he is just watching through the scope of a gun and, like, narrating. And his narration... The narration is, like, ridiculous. This, like, Fassbender's character, the killer, the titular killer, is, like, a fucking weirdo. He's, like, Patrick Bateman without the money. Or, like, without, like, the glitz. And it's really, and I like that, because I'm like, okay, so we're kind of playing around with, like, this guy's kind of, like, an over-inflated sense of self, and he's kind of an idiot, but he knows how to shoot a gun, and that's all he knows how to do. And I was, like, super into that. And then as soon as, like, things kind of fall apart, it just becomes an action movie. And it's, like, a well-directed action movie. But, like, it was so interesting in how it structured itself at the beginning. And then, like, the last two-thirds. And I was, like, I mean, it's fine. But the narration's gone that made it funny. Like, everything that made it interesting from the beginning just goes away. And I was, like... Well, that's kind of a bummer. And, like, it's not a bad movie. It's just, like, you expect something... You just expect more. You expect from, more from, from Fincher. Fincher. And you don't just expect another, like, oh, God, a guy's girlfriend... A, a, gar, a guy's girlfriend, a.k.a. the woman written into the movie to get assaulted, has two seconds of screen time to explain that, like, I would never betray you, and then he goes on a rampage to, like, revenge her? And, like, I'm bored with that. Like... 
that's that's the revenge movie we're making. Like the guy is such a like a schlub. It would have been so much funnier if they did something stupid to him, like 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 fucked up his car or like did like burned his house down, not raped his girl. Like, it just didn't fit the vibe of the movie, and so I didn't under like the movie doesn't really know what it's trying to do. I think some people love it, and that's fine. I can see why. Yeah. I'm a hater. Of some of these movies, as, as we're going to get to in a bit here. I'm like a hater of some of these popular movies. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? And I think I'm like a little bit bored. I think I've watched too much weird fucked up horror shit that like I'm going back to more mainstream. And I'm like, whoa, where is the kid getting killed? <laughs> where is like the dog mauling the little kid? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I completely understand that because I'm in the same place with music right now. I am I am struggling to find some kind of music that brings me joy. Like everything that I think should bring me joy is not. And so like I'm in this very weird funk musically. So I can relate. I can relate. But also speaking of music, how is the score? Because it's, it's Trent Reznor it's, and Atticus Ross. It's good, but like it doesn't stand out in the way that a lot of the other scores do. Like it makes sense that they work together, but like because I was excited because I love the music work mm. that they do for Fincher, but like it just it it doesn't really like stand out. There's a couple moments where it does, and it sounds good, but I, it's just yeah. So Purpurina in chat talks about. Uh, Part of why RR hit hit her so hard is that it was such a joy to be surprised every turn. And you know, I really need to sit down and watch. What that the movie. fuck? <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the actual divisive parts of the episode yet. <laughs> but like, I agree I, with that I though. Know, like, it is so joyful and so. It's like it's so happy, and it's just like so. Yeah, it's happy. Surprising? It's like it's just surprising to see so much joy and like love between two men and as, as a friendship and like it leans into a lot of stuff that you never see yeah i need to watch it i do i know i do i know i do that's the killer it's on netflix like if you like fincher check it out it's just like mid which is a bummer for me i don't like saying a fincher movie is mid but it's kind of mid speaking about a movie i also thought was mid um <laughs> <laughs> all right <Here> comes, <laughs> the most divisive movie of the year <laughs> so i've seen a lot of discourse about this film on twitter and i know that you and i have different differing opinions about this so i was like should we talk about this and i think we should so um we both watched saltburn uh, we both got screeners for it and watched Saltburn. Uh, if you just heard Mary Beth's Raspberry, you know which one of us did not care for the movie. If you've not been on social media, <laughs> I want to. I want to know. I want. I want to hear. I want to hear from you. I from hear. me first. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. All right. So as many of you know, and if you don't know, oh, I'll tell you. One thing we both did not like. Promise. I was just gonna say, I as many of y'all. No, as I have never been shy to share, I hated Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman is a stain upon the rape revenge genre. That sounds rude, but I have, it has been on sight for me with her. So when I heard this was coming out, I was like, okay, I have to go in as like unbiased as possible. Like I need to give her a chance. Like 
I gotta. Like, I just, I can't, I gotta. Whatever. And, well, she knows how to make it look pretty, but I don't think she really knows how to write a script to save her life. Like, I'm so sorry. I think she knows how to direct certain things really well. I do not think she should be writing her scripts. I think she should be co-writing. I, the problem I have with Saltburn and I, I liked it more than Promising Young Woman. Like, I don't hate this movie. I don't despise it. I don't, like, it's just, like, I think it's boring. Which is which is weird to say about a movie like this where, like, fucking Barry Keegan drinks Jacob Elordi's, like, bath cum juice. Like, you would think that boring... I want to slurp on your old bath water. <laughs> um, don't you love that, listeners, that beautiful sound I just made? But, like, I liked the idea a lot. And it's kind of like Tiorama, which is a uh, Pasolini movie. But it's... I can't, like, share because it, like, spoils Saltburn if I explain what this... But, but, like, basically in Tiorama, a stranger comes into a family and starts seducing them one by one and shit gets weird. Saltburn is not exactly... Wait, when is this movie? Tiorama? How do you spell that? Uh, T-E-O-R-E-M-A. It's from 1968. I have not seen this. I only know about this because of grad school, pretentious bullshit, etc. But, like, this is a Pasolini movie, and it's, like, super erotic. And they're very similar, but Saltburn does not even remotely stick the landing in terms of, like what it's trying to say because I don't think I think she underutilized Barry Keegan which is a fucking disgrace I think she really knows how to make it look pretty but like she does not to me understand how to make her like lead character's motivations actually make sense and be relatable to me what do you think (laughs) and how do you feel about the movie (laughs) (laughs) so um, I get all of your criticisms. Uh, my biggest complaint <laughs> about the movie is that I don't understand why it was filmed in 4.3. Yeah, why? Like, what is that? Like, I don't... Like, and look, I let... Carter Smith filmed Swallow in 4.3. I was into that. This? No sense. There was, like, no sense well, of intimacy. Like, what? I think... I think that you... I think there's, like, a reason that modern film directors should shoot in 4.3. It works in, like, The Lighthouse. It worked in Raging Grace, which is an, an, another movie we talked about today, that is filmed in 4.3. It worked um, in Carter Smith's movie. It can give things a claustrophobic feel to it, but this is not a claustrophobic movie. No! This is a grandiose, lavish movie. And so that was the first thing that just, it really kind of bothered me because there's... I, you know, and I made I made a prediction when I was watching this. I was I was watching with my roommate Cass, and I was like, I have a feeling that once we get to Saltburn, it's going to open up to widescreen because I felt like that would be some kind of pretentious thing that <laughs> she would do. But no, she decides to keep it in um, in four three the entire time. I do not understand why. I do not. That is the that is my biggest thing that I was sitting there going, why is this a choice? What are you trying to do here? It because it, it felt. It felt pretentious. It, it really did. It is. Hi. That said, as what what I think what I think this movie vibed with me a whole lot is um I don't know how to say this without being creepy, but like <laughs> I I kind of 
and and I don't and I and I don't mean this to the same extent as Barry Keegan's character goes through, but like I felt like I was Barry going to college. I was like such a closeted case. I was put into this jock hallway full of like men who would parade around their sexuality. Uh, there was this guy that across the hall from me that would like lean in my doorway just in his boxers, and it just. <sighs> So, like, I could okay. feel that intense, like, okay. feeling that Barry was having for Jacob Elordi's character and the kind of puppy dog way that he was, like, following him around. I won't. No, I won't ask because it'll spoil. We'll talk later. Jacob Elordi rules in this movie. I will say he's incredible. He Jacob Elordi's performance owns- in this, like, he owns, this is his movie. I don't care what anyone else says. Like, and again, I love Barry Keegan, but, like, he is perfect in this movie. Like, yeah perfect he's 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 an, i think he's i honestly think that he is going to be one of those actors that um is going to easily win an oscar one day because he knows how to weaponize his good looks but he also there's something going on underneath and i think and i i thought this way ever since i first i first saw him in the mortuary collection and oh my god i always Pratt. forget that he is the he is in the i always forget he's in that movie yeah and like that was my first introduction to him and i was like this guy is the camera loves him but he also is a very good actor and there's something going on underneath that I that mean, beautiful face him in euphoria i'm scared of him but then he does like these roles and i'm like i'm scared of you i don't know what you're capable of you fucking scary man i i know i i do i do kind of wish he wasn't getting typecast as sort of like the villain role because like i feel like every movie i've seen him in he is that way and from what i understand i haven't seen priscilla i've got a screener but i i feel that that's the same way that that like that's going on with that but but yeah so i it's a little I bit more nuanced here and with this at least absolutely but i i immediately felt like i was it brought me back to going to college and being in love or in lust with uh this guy that was across the hall that like i would fall around like a puppy dog and so there's that aspect to it. I also think that if this, if um, Barry Keegan was was a woman character, this would be one of those good for her movies. And I think that there's an interesting dynamic here with his with his character in that sort of like good for her feel that we kind of celebrate. Interesting. Oh, hi. I'm gonna... There is oh! one plot related thing towards the end that like kind of oh, I see a kitty. She's on my lap. Sorry. She's like hi. I have thoughts too, <laughs> but there's one little plot thing towards the end that like, I think does ruin a little bit in terms of motivation. And I will agree. I think the script is probably the most it, weak part of the film. It, it just like, it didn't, I couldn't buy into the whole thing. Like once you kind of, there's a reveal, I'm like, Oh, and then I'm like, uh, there's just some stuff with it where I'm like, are we queer baiting? Are we not queer baiting? Like, I don't think we are because oh. like, <laughs> let this is not a condemnation of the movie, but I am pissed off at the marketing for this film because everyone is leaning into the queerness. We have like the, uh, like, the things all over social media. Like, we have like all the things on social media of like Barry and like Jacob Elordi, like leaning into each other, like they're going to kiss and then pulling back as if it's like a big joke. There's like a, so many different things of like, them being a couple, like being shipped together on social media. And 
then and then you have like Jacob Elordi talking about how honored he was that Barry was guzzling his cum from the from the bath. Like there's, it's, there's it's, some weird things that bother me as a gay person because it feels like we are trying to gay bait with the marketing of this film, and that that pisses me off. Well, and I also think this movie like it's not horny, or it's horny. Oh, I think it's incredible. It's it's, horny. it's like it's horny. It's restrained horny, which isn't a bad thing, but people need to stop saying it's like this shockingly erotic movie. I'm like... Well, I'm starting to realize that like all the people on social media are, that are watching this for the first time are so are such babies. I know. Like I'm like, oh, you haven't to... watched any, like you haven't consumed like... So there's a lot of young people that keep popping up on, on my TikTok for you page that are like, went to go see it as a girl's night because of Jacob Elordi and then like the reaction afterward. And I'm like... That's fair. Um, I guess if you're, like, like, a girly who likes Euphoria and sees it and you're like, oh, my God, like, Barry Keegan is, like, doing something weird to to the ground. Like, what is happening? Like, fair. I don't know. Like, yeah. (laughs) But also, because I I really disliked, I really, really disliked the, the third act, shall we say, of Promising Young Woman. I was really enjoying it up until the third act. But that third act, like, just soured and just shat on everything that I was enjoying about the film. And so, like, I think that might also help because I was kind of expecting to be very put off by this film. And I really enjoyed it. And so, Purpurina asked, do you all think that this will be one of those movies where the hype might be a detriment for some people's experiences? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with, like, if you're going into it with all those TikToks showing up on your For You page of, like, people being so surprised and horrified and titillated about it i don't think this is that kind of movie unless you are not used to these types of films because it, it definitely was not as bananas as i think a lot of people have made it out. this is going to be one of those annoying movies that's on every fucking like most disturbing movies ever made list when you like when it's like someone hasn't ever seen a movie with like actual sex in it you know what i mean like right. mm-hmm. watch stranger by the lake then we'll talk. <laughs> then we'll talk. Right. I then haven't seen we'll it talk. yet, but like rotting in the sun. Like watch rotting in the sun. Like like oh, rotting in the sun. <laughs> you want to talk about some kind of transgressive uh, queer cinema? That is another one of those. It's just yeah. like this annoying thing where it's like she's gonna get all this credit for like making something transgressive when it's not transgressive, and it's just like it's just like annoying to me. I'm like, and you know what? great women make bad art love that for her like or mediocre art like that's awesome but at the same time like do us all a favor and just like let us make transgressive art and like step aside and like if you're gonna like commit like if you're gonna try to make transgressive art commit or if you don't even know what transgressive art is then like admit it you know what i mean like she thinks that she's making these trans she's making mainstream transgressive media which i guess is like absolutely important in one way but on the other hand it makes me want to fucking tear my eyes out of my skull which like (laughs) but on the other on the other hand though i i do wonder if these films will in the same way that like American remakes of Japanese films broaden my horizons to what's out there, that maybe these might be babies first, and then they'll realize that there's a whole lot, a whole world out there of fascinating. I mean, that's. A I would rather that be the case for Saltburn than with Promising Young Woman. I would rather oh, Promising Young Woman disappear. Um, but if like if this is someone's introduction, then that's awesome. And like, look, I'm not trying to be a shit about Emerald Fennel, like. 
sorry, I have a grudge. Um, what can you do? Um, but hey, good for her for getting me angry. Love that. So <laughs> again, I, I think that she is, I think she's doing a very good job of being a provocateur, a female provocateur, which we don't. Yeah, that's get true. A that's a, a good point. Ones. No, that's a very good and point. I do think that, I mean, she's getting us talking. Like we have yeah. spent a good amount of this episode talking about this film. I mean, so I was going to see your movie there. regardless. So it's like, it's like when I hate watch Quentin Tarantino. So maybe you're right. <laughs> Pisses me off, but you might uh, be right. <laughs> she pisses me off, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. See it? It's one of those movies where I'm like, see it and make up your mind. Like, I don't think I can tell you how you're going to feel about it. I don't like, which is, I think it, I mean, like, that is impressive for her to do that. Like, it is not a movie I think I would be able to tell you how to, like, truly feel about it. Saltburn. Saltburn. <laughs> All right, so I want to hear about this bizarre true crime series. Speaking of bitches who be crazy, um, I watched perhaps one of the most unhinged documentaries series I've ever seen, and it is called Love Has okay. Won, The Cult of Mother God, which- My roommate has been talking about this. It's b- b- goddamn nanograms, because like this- Okay. Let's start from the beginning here. A couple years ago, a woman, a mummified woman, was found in a home wrapped in Christmas lights with her followers around her being like, don't, don't touch her body. And they were like, uh, no, we have to touch her body. That is a mummified corpse. And they were like, what's the fuck? Like, this is like the, the jumping off point of like the discovery of this woman's mummified corpse. And this was the corpse of Amy Carlson, who was the leader of the Love is One cult where she proclaimed herself to be Mother God. And that the Galactics who were, who include Robin Williams were going to come to get her and like leave the world and like banish all of our suffering. Um. Oh. And basically come get her via UFO. And she started this. So this whole documentary kind of documents. It's three episodes, so it's really short. But it's like how the cult happened, how this crazy shit happened with her body. And then what's happened. And then a little bit what's happened after. Because she got really sick. And they said, no, she doesn't need to go to the doctor. And they like gave her a bunch of silver that was supposed to be like potentially good for you and she basically just like poisoned herself to death and didn't eat and the documentary is this is looking at you know how she became this way the followers she accumulated why she find like and because she's another one of these examples of like cults that got started online because of live streams and right found a lot of followers just through the internet and there's a lot of connections to like QAnon conspiracies and things and there's just like a lot of really wild shit and she she was mother god and then she would have father god and there were many father gods until she found the father god because there was father multiverse and father god and what it's 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 bananagrams and there's like the the thing that's it's there's so much footage of her because this happened so recently and there's so many videos of like her descent and how she's getting sick and they're like oh she's seeing things like she's having visions but i'm like she's just really sick and it's really scary because like all of her followers are like younger people and 
they document her death in a like you see they show videos of like them with her corpse and like how they were like playing music to her corpse and thinking it was alive and like and these people because she died i think only about a year ago these people still believe in her like every person that was like this and that's what's like really wild about this is because they're interviewing people like while they still believe in her and they don't know what to do with themselves because their god has died which is fucking nuts to think about i don't I got nothing. I don't know what to say. It's that. it's just like it's uh, it's there's oh. not a lot to say other than like you, if you are it's really sad. Like it is really sad, Paprina. Like I'm saying like it's like I'm talking about it like it's like a sensational, but it's really sad because these people still believe in her and like obviously it's very sad that she had mental she had mental health problems and this happened to her, but like her followers also believe in her. They're still doing live streams about her and like there's call I don't know it's just it's really fascinating and really sad and it's one of those interesting series that like is obviously capitalizing on something in the news but I also think it's showing that like how the internet is creating these really weird communities and I also think we don't hear a lot about women in these kinds of roles and in what they're doing like like, she was that she had multiple men partner like that's that you don't see that a whole lot in cults it's usually a a man that is as a harem of women yep and so it wasn't about sex but like yeah it was just yeah it's another one of these like really oh my god paparina girl boss girl god amen it's like it's really sad it's also very interesting so if that is something that like you're quasi interested in it's three episodes on max that just finished airing the last episode just aired this week so give it a shot again like it's not a happy watch and it doesn't make you feel good so you know be warned on all of that stuff but it is a really interesting look it's directed by hannah olsen so it's directed by a woman and i think it's it's got a really interesting kind of empathetic lens and how they speak to the the her, it's like current members and how they talk about her but they all the way that they frame it is like just make up your mind about like they don't try to paint them they try to be as neutral as possible but it really and in, in doing that it makes them all seem like very unwell and like they need help which is sad to watch if that makes sense um but yeah that's what i've been watching <laughs> wow um probably completely different uh change of topic to the fright night remake director's new movie but uh tell me about that (laughs) i just think it's important for people to know that this that craig gillespie who has directed uh cruella i tanya also directed fright night and his new movie dumb money which is about oh! the GameStop meme stock. Meme stock is absolutely fantastic. Um, okay. We're going to be seeing probably both of us doing a lot of FYC talk on for the next month or so because there's a lot that we need to get caught up on. As Mary Beth said, this was one of them that I've been wanting to see. And I have to say, this was the most fascinating movie that I've seen so far this year. Um, not my favorite, but it was one of the most fascinating movies I've seen this year. Okay. Because it does such a good job of taking something that is so boring, stocks, <laughs> and turning it into something that is very interesting and yet explains things to the layman, me, on what 
what actually went down. And so for those that don't know, um, GameStop was a, was a joke stock that was like selling for like $3.95 a stock at one point, which I, I, I'm told is low. I don't know these things, <laughs> but it seemed low and I was told that it is low. And this guy um, played by uh, Paul Dano, Keith Gill, believes in the stock for some reason and decides that he is going to start filming YouTube videos and posting on this this Wall Street Reddit forum about how much he believes in the stock and he ends up he ends up creating this um, wave of disenfranchised and um, people that are fed up with billionaires deciding to invest in this stock and the stock goes from being like three dollars and ninety five cents to I want to say over four hundred dollars at one point per stock oh and it ended up there's it's it's such an interesting thing because it ended up destroying some hedge managers because hedge fund managers and i don't 100 percent know why but it ended up destroying their careers and ended up like pointing um pointing out how robin hood is is a very not so great company for 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 people that are buying mm, stock okay there's like a lot of a lot of machinations going on in the back because at one point um when the stock keeps going up and up and up, they turn off the ability to buy more stock because of Citadel, uh, which is a financial group. And this movie is stacked. So it has Paul Dano, Pete Davidson, American Ferrara, Vincent D'Onofrio, Nick Offerman, Seth Rogen, Sebastian Stan, Stan, um, Shailene Woodley. Like it is a Dane DeHaan. It is a stacked, oh, wow. a stacked cast. And it does such a fantastic job of showing how this stock has become such an, a fascinating look at the dichotomy between those of us that are, you know, barely making it and barely surviving to the billionaires that are raking in millions of dollars on stocks. And it's just, it's, I thought it was very fascinating. I thought it was very easy to follow for someone that knows nothing about it. And it was very funny and it was very fascinating. I really enjoyed it. I'm excited to watch it. I've heard really good things about it, and it looks good, so I'm excited to... Because, yeah. again, it's not really, like, my kind of movie, but I, it sounds like Same. it... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't... I, I really obviously know nothing about what has come out this year outside of horror movies. I've watched, like, 200 horror movies and literally nothing else, so... But speaking of horror movies, oh, let's talk about Witches in the Woods, Maybe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what is our found footage pick this week? So our found footage pick this week is one of my personal favorites. And I am curious to hear what Terry is about to say about this movie. This is Cronewood. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's okay. I'm curious. I'm curious. So Cronewood <laughs> is found footage, obviously. And... um. It, sorry, my ear just started ringing. That's very bizarre. It follows a couple, or not really a couple, two people on their first date, and the date ends up going on, they end up going camping on their first date. And when they're camping, they stumble across some weird things happening. And uh, yeah, things just get kind of weird. And um, yeah. <laughs> Terry, would, uh, I'd like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this movie. So if if you haven't seen it, um, 
maybe pause the recording if you don't want spoilers because yeah we're gonna talk about spoilers for this one i think well there's there's a couple things um i i get i can understand why you're fascinated with it because it does do some interesting things with perspectives in terms of handing like the perspective off to other people in terms of the camera choices i just from the very very first scene very first scene i knew where the movie was heading i knew immediately that she was a witch that she was gonna lure him for some kind of sex thing like i knew immediately what the that fuck? this was gonna happen what Okay. Yeah, I knew. It was like, I, I, I told Cass, we're watching it, and I was like, okay, so she's obviously one of these witches. She's luring him in. And then, like, and I was like, it's probably some sex thing, because the movie starts out very sexual. There's, like, literally the very first thing that we're filming is a pair of people having sex on a beach. And then we're talking about the size of, of the main character's penis. So, like, I was like, okay, this is sexual, A. And two, she knows way too much about these witches. She is obviously luring him in because who in their right mind would go camping on a first date <laughs> for someone that you don't even know? So, like, Fair. I... And Fair. once once I got there, I was just honestly waiting for the for the, the movie to get to the end with, with where things were going to get revealed because I knew where it was heading. And so that was my big problem with with cronewood is that i i I, those are kind of predictable for me okay unfortunately fair enough fair enough there's some interesting things in here though i it was giving me uh texas chance on massacre vibes in the house i really like that um i did enjoy the switching of perspective now that we are following the witch's camera although i did wonder in the like who's watching this like we're watching this obviously but whoever is watching this really did a decided to like stitch together two different so don't worry I, about I was, it. I was curious about Yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> so like that was that was it. And then the ending was giving me Outlast vibes. And so I was I was kind of digging that. Um but yeah, I just the I, opening moment I was like, well this is what's gonna happen. And then I was kind of sad to see that that's where it was going. Fair. Very fair. I love it because I think it is one of the only movies to really represent male sexual assault and make and put it squarely on like female shoulders and also playing with Mm -hmm. consent on camera because there's a lot of that like filming sex secretly and then she consent like I just I think that I get what you mean I think there's so much cool stuff going on here though with like gender and sexuality that we never see in found footage that I think it like executes that in a really interesting way to I that kind of usurped any like predictability for me I think I was so excited about how they were playing with the camera in an unpredictable way um mm-hmm. that's why I love this movie so much but I get that I, I do I too I understand understand yeah I completely understand from from your perspective as as someone that is very interested in in, in how found footage is, is filmed and how like the perspectives changes. I, I did make a note in my I did make a note about the 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 blah 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 the part of consent and I also did I mean enjoy is the wrong word but I did like the fact that we have um I, 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 whenever we see male rape it is typically a man raping another man. Yep. And it's like and humiliation so was, and everything. It's yeah. not like you don't see ma- women raping men. People think it's not no. possible. Liars. That's not correct. 
And I think it's important, right, like, to see that, like, to see that. Yeah. I know it's difficult. And I know that, like, you know, we could, people could argue about what, if this is rape, but this is rape. Like, we're just going to say, like, he's raped. Oh. And they filmed the whole thing. And the women are, like, really excited about it. And I, I love a movie where we have showing women being rapists. Like, I know that sounds silly, but, like, as, as a sexual assault survivor, but, like, it's a reality about sexual assault that we need to confront. And no one really does that. It's something that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. No. In terms of, like, male assault, being a man being assaulted. Yeah. So I think this movie is, like, super confronting that head on in a way that you never see. And I I deeply appreciate that the found footage horror genre is one of the few places where that conversation seems to be happening. And I just think that's cool. And I think it's a movie that more people do should see, like... Yeah, it's not perfect, but I also think it's doing some su- like such interesting things with the form that it not being, you know, this is why found footage films are so interesting and like they get buried and no one sees them, but it's like there is like really cool, like really cool stuff out there. Again, like I've dug through a lot of crap, but that's why you listen to the podcast. So we give you the curated stuff that you may or may not like, obviously, but it's more likely to at least might get something out of it. Wait, Perperina, your your dissertation was about male sexual assault, like in film. I know by women, not in film. Okay, that's right. Not everyone went to school for film stuff. That's wild, but important. It's an important topic, everybody. Anyway, well, yeah. I'm sorry that you didn't love it, but no, I'm glad that you apologize. appreciated. The stuff that I think is interesting about it. <laughs> yeah, don't don't apologize. I, you know, I I do. I think sometimes we do often agree on a lot of stuff, and so I I always think it's interesting the times when we don't. Me too. And I think it, ca- it causes better conversation. To be perfectly, we honest. always joke we're gonna fight, but like we never fight because we like our <laughs> no, opinions. We <laughs> their opinions. Yeah, but you you love predicting things. Poopy. I I can't help it. it I is, know. It, it is it is a problem that I have had since literally and, and we talked about this back in the M Night Shyamalan um uh Sixth Sense movie movie. After that movie, I can't help but my brain just will talk will will think about the plot structure and think about what the movie is is going to try to do. I can't help it. And this was one of those times where I was like sitting there going, I just, I just wish it was doing something different. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I also think I bet if I also avoid trailers like the plague. And Uh... that is true with me too. Mm -hmm. I have, I do not like, I, I will sometimes watch like the first three or four seconds of being like, okay, I'm in, but I, I, I cannot, because if I'm, if I, if I've seen a trailer, I will be watching the movie and I'll be like, okay, well, this scene hasn't happened yet. This I do the same thing. I'm the worst this about that. Happened yet. Mm-hmm. I also say I do. Spo- it's like, I feel like I spoil it a little bit when I talk about like to people like this is a really good movie about male sexual assault, because I feel like that kind of primes you. I saw this movie not knowing. Like, I mean, I, that did sort of tip. Like, I didn't know anything about this movie. So I think that's also why. But I shouldn't probably start off with that as like the teaser but it's also really interesting so i don't know whatever <laughs> um yeah that's true it is a term it is a, i do want to put that like that warning out there for people but um 
So we are continuing our found footage series next week. And I'm very excited, Terry, because you are watching a movie, another movie for the first time that I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on. What are we watching? We are uh, watching The Tunnel, which I'm very excited to see because um, they were playing it at the Unnamed Footage Festival earlier this year. And I had to get on a plane and go home. And so I missed it. Uh, So I'm very excited to see this one. And I'm trying to think, I believe, I should have had this up before, but I believe this one is also streaming on Tubi. It is. It that's, looks like that's one of the only places it is streaming right now, according to yeah. TV app. A new ver- but it is streaming there for free. Yeah, so they just put out the first Blu-ray uh, this year. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. It was only on YouTube. Is that I- where they were showing it at Unnamed? Yeah. They showed it at Unnamed Footage Festival this year because it was going on Blu-ray for the first time. And, like, the only way that you could watch it for a while was just, like, a, a shitty YouTube rip, which is how I saw it. And now they finally... It's, like, really hard to... It's, it was hard to find for a while. And now it's not, which is really exciting. So I'm very excited that we're watching it because it is an incredible use of... Um, another incredible use of POV, is all I'll say, uh, about Heck yeah. the tunnel. I'm excited. I'm also I'm excited. excited. Um, but okay, so who are we talking with on Monday, Mary Beth? I'm super <laughs> stoked. We're chatting with Nicole Goble, who is the host of the Bodies of Horror podcast. And we had an incredible <laughs> conversation with her about her scarred for life picked Dr. Giggles. Dr. Motherfucking Giggles. Yes. Uh, it's a really good conversation. Nicole has a lot of really cool things to share about disability and like how that relates to this. And, uh, and it's just, and let me just talk about Dr. Giggles, which is like a wild ass movie. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be on Monday. Uh, but listeners, yeah. you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you see anything that we watched this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for found footage movies for us to watch? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us, reach out to us directly on social media. I'm at MB McAndrews on Twitter and Blue Sky and at MB dot McAndrews on Instagram. And I'm at Gaily Dreadful everywhere. And obviously follow the podcast everywhere. We're at Scarred Podcast on Twitter and we are at Scarred for Life Podcast on Instagram and Blue Sky. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And again, we are going to be opening up Patreon very soon. So stay tuned for that. Thank you to Eric Power for artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.